1: wanted i've been waiting 23 years to say that why are you coming home five in the five morning
0: in the moon.
1: something's going <laughs> something's on Yo, dick, <laughs> <Your old> dick. <laughs> that has been stuck in my head like i told you like a podcast i was listening to like it's a it was a comedy podcast and they brought that song up and i was like oh great now it's stuck in my head for uh, But you know what? Before that, stuck in my head, for no reason, no reason, you you want to talk about weird earworm? I had
0: the baby bottle
1: pop jingle stuck in my head.
0: That has been stuck in my head a couple of times over the years. It's weird. It
1: came out of nowhere, and I'm trying to figure out if I would rather have baby bottle pop still stuck in my head or what I have now, which is
0: smell yo dick. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I had the theme to those, like, Wonder Balls stuck in my head. Oh my, oh, I wonder, wonder, what's in Wonder Ball?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's, at least that's a 90s thing. We finally made it back to the 90s so that I can say this is the FBI's most unwanted, I'm Matt. (laughs) <laughs> yeah those wonder ball and they got rid of them because like kids choked on the things inside of them right like they had like little like candies yeah, you got of little
0: them. you got little figures in them yeah because i remember I, I used to i used to get a couple of those because i was like these are cool like you know, a chocolate ball with a little little toy in the middle of it mm-hmm. and then yeah kids were choking choking on it
1: that's what i thought yeah So this week's episode is titled The Field Where I Died. It is season 4 episode 5 directed by Rob Bowman written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong originally aired November 3rd 1996 and has a uh, notable guest star in Kristen Cloak. Actually this episode was written for her because Uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong had worked with her on their short-lived science fiction series, Space Above and Beyond. Uh, She's also appeared, she was in the original Final Destination as Valerie Luton in 2000, and she was in Final Destination 5, again, as Valerie Luton in 2011. Uh, Folks might recognize her from Lady Bird, the 2006 version of Black Christmas, or Willard uh, she's been in all that stuff also looks like here when she was uh, she's been in Doogie Howser quantum leap Cheers diagnosis murder mad about you murder she wrote so she's been in a lot of stuff
0: yeah I've definitely seen her in at least in the final destination movies and black mm-hmm. Christmas
1: yep yep uh, this like I said this was written for her uh, because Uh, Morgan and Wong uh, really were impressed with her on Space Above and Beyond and they knew that she did a lot of characters and voices so they wanted to bring that in to this and they also wanted to challenge David Duchovny as an actor which is why it focuses so much on uh, Mulder doing a lot of, of emotional work And also was inspired by Ken Burns' Civil War documentary. So
0: I mean, that kind of explains some stuff about this. We'll we'll get into it when we get there. But there was like, this was a weird-ass episode. Dude,
1: I told you this episode is slow as can be. Like, it really is. And we'll talk about it. I don't actually hate this episode. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on in this episode. Uh, in terms of acting, it's the story part that I don't think is the strongest. So, and it's also directed really it well. Really I think isn't. there's some. I think I think Bowman got some really good shots in this episode as well.
0: Yeah, it like it, it 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 was hard for me to kind of stick with it because of how slow it was moving. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what the fuck's happening? Like, a lot of great stuff was happening in it, but like the overall experience, I was just like. I was just like, um, okay. (laughs) Yeah, Morgan and Wong threw
1: a lot of shit at the wall to see what stuck. And that was actually one of the, uh, cause this episode got mixed to positive reviews. And, uh, what, you know, the, the positive things were about the acting and a lot of the, uh, negative things were like, um, you know, there, there's a lot going on and, and stuff like that. So anyway, it does open on a shot of Mulder giving a soliloquy in a field in Tennessee, uh, holding two pictures from the the Civil War era, and we're not sure yet what that is about. But we we learn that in this little town of Absin- Bethlehem. oh, no. <laughs> oh little ta- don't get me started. <laughs> um, in Absin, Tennessee, uh. There is this raid on a compound, which is very reminiscent of Waco, Texas, uh, because the ATF has received word that this religious cult has a bunch of illegal firearms and they go in and, uh, take away all these women and children and stuff like that. Uh, but they don't find any firearms, um, What they do find is, uh, well, actually, this place is called the Temple of the the Seven Stars, and Mulder, during part of this, he kind of gets this weird deja vu and walks out a back door and into a field because they're specifically looking for Vernon Ephesian, who is the head of this cult, and they can't find him, and Mulder hears, like, he, he just he's like, I don't uh, I don't something something's up and he walks out and Scully's like, where are you going? And he walks into this field and he uh, just stands there, <laughs> He just stands there for a little bit. And what what eventually happens is he finds the trap door in the ground and Ephesian is down there with a woman and they are about to drink the uh, with a bunch of women actually there's six women down there and they're about to uh, drink the Kool-Aid reminiscent of Jonestown they're all about to die Um, and so you know
0: Mulder stops them and it's like the funniest. I, I have, I kind of laughed a little bit because, like, the one girl that's cloak, cloak scare goes yeah. to the drink and he's just like, no!
1: yeah, he, he, we can tell he's kind of feels some weird draw towards this woman, Melissa Rydell Ephesian. Um, she's one of, uh, Vernon Ephesian's six wives. Um, uh, people start cults to make money and fuck. That's why cults exist.
0: (laughs) That's Jared Leto's cult. Ooh, yeah.
1: He has like an island or something, right? (laughs) A whole island. So, uh, then we get to this scene that is basically, uh, Skinner is having a meeting with the FBI and the ATF, and he's like, look, we and he's playing a tape and it is this person named Sydney who kind of talks like this kind of a gruff old-timey voice going on on the other end of the phone and Sydney is their informant and Sydney's like there's a lot of guns here and a lot of kids and they're gonna they're gonna hurt the kids and they've got all these guns and this is like, rocky you know, this is gonna me for rocky you can't get beat. up you son of a bitch cuz mickey loves ya <laughs> um uh Sydney is the the informant from the inside. Sydney is the one that has tipped them off, and Skinner's like, we got this call. It seemed like good information. We've been surveilling them for a long time, but we can't hold them with no guns. And if we let them go, like we're not gonna have to it's either going to be Waco or Jonestown. We're either going to have to get in a firefight or everybody's going to commit suicide at the end. Like we've got to figure out something. We've got to find out where these guns are or tomorrow or in 48 hours or whatever. Uh, Let me look. It's, I think it's the next 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, within, you know, within 48 hours, they're all going to be let go. You got to do something. Find Sydney. And so Mulder and Scully are there because apparently uh, Ephesian has reasons. Pretty much. Uh, they're there to investigate all the claims that Ephesian has of like psychic powers and stuff like that. So they go to question him and he's like, there's... Well, his lawyer basically is like, there's no one in the temple named Sidney... Um, but like, I, and they're like, okay, so where are the guns? And he's like, I knew you were coming looking for me. Like it was told in the the book of revelation, yada, 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 and all that stuff. And they're like, fine, we'll go question your wife.
0: Crazy things.
1: Pretty much crazy things. So they go to talk to Melissa and Melissa's like, all in on this cult she's like oh the you know all the children they're all the she's you know she's like talking all about how great the the cult is and everything and suddenly she like hunches down and her elbow her (laughs) you you know her shoulders go up to her ears and she "Eh, eh," and she squints her eyes and everything and she starts talking in the sydney voice and she's like what is it what 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 is this the mccarthy hearings what do you think i'm a communist or something and Scully writes uh, multiple personalities and Mulder immediately goes past life. And he says, Sydney, who do you think? Um, who's the president? Yeah, who's the president? And she goes, well, what do you mean who the president is? Harry Truman. And Scully leans in and she goes, how did you know past life? And Mulder goes, I I, I don't know. Like, I can't explain it. I do I just knew which to his credit, like at least to the credit of the writers, like even Mulder didn't have a reason. Like it was just, yeah, a they thing. were just like, not nah, he's like, Oh no, it like, just,
0: just happened. I had no idea.
1: He's literally as surprised as, as opposed to last episode where we mentioned where he just had his idea that a conspiracy was happening for literally no <laughs> fucking reason and ran with it. In this episode, at least he's as surprised as Scully is that he knew what was going on. He's like, I I can't explain it. I I just knew. And all of a sudden, she switches back to being Melissa. Uh, So they're like, all right, clearly this lady knows what's going on. Or at least uh, the Sydney personality does. So we're going to see if she can help us find the guns. And so they take her back to the temple hoping that Sydney will lead them to the guns, but instead of Sydney coming out, then they get this woman from the Civil War who is um like oh the the weapons they're out in the bunker, and I remember that bunker so well because uh, Okay, basically she gives this whole big long speech about there's this whole big battle going on. Yeah, it's like Civil War. It's in the Civil War and it all comes around to she says that that's where she that was the field where she saw Mulder die. Implying that Mulder has a, rein, is a reincarnation of a soldier's wife. Because...
0: Th- this is no, he it's... is he. He's not a soldier's wife. He's just a soldier that died. I th- okay. I thought no. You're right. You're right.
1: She's the wife, and he, yes, he's the soldier. I thought it was the other way around. Of round but no you're right because 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 what happens later you're right you're right he's the soldier and she's the soldier's wife and she saw him die right in that field and she says the guns are in the bunker where she was hiding while the battle was going on and she she knows because she came out of the bunker and saw him die so Mulder is like uh he's all fucked up like um (laughs) yeah well can you imagine just for a minute that like somebody somebody's like oh yeah (laughs) but see to me i would be like get out of my face but if somebody like had this affliction where they're changing their personality all the time and are claiming to be dead people all reincarnated into the same body and we're like Oh, and I, I knew you way back when, and we were in love. I, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I mean, one trip to Looney
1: Bin, please.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: And Mulder is like, well, we have to get her under hypnotic regression to recount her past lives. And Scully's essentially like, Mulder, why? Like, we are, we're literally, she calls him on it, too, like, really bad. She's like, Mulder. We literally are under a huge pressure deadline here. We have to find those guns. We have to find where they go. Like, they're going to let them all out of jail. And something is really bad is going to happen because they can't hold them. And people are going to die. And you don't give a shit. She she essentially says, you don't give a shit about that. You give a shit about you. Because this lady said you're a reincarnated dead person. Like, this is not the time. And
0: somehow, Mulder still wins. (laughs) yeah because the argument is just like he's like because part of the argument is, that Scully's like gives is like if she's suffering from multiple personalities or or a social identity whatever and you're just basically going to hurt her more by forcing her to relive these other characters like these other things that could easily damage her brain and and Mulder's just like I don't do shit yeah
1: and so she doesn't reveal under the the hypnosis where the guns or anything are. She doesn't really say where they are, but then Mulder goes under to confirm her um story. And this is where we get like it's See, this is what I meant at the top, where I'm like, the acting is all really good, but the story amounts to literally nothing.
0: Yeah, like, it's like buzzwords.
1: There's this whole beautiful. Well, it doesn't necessarily amount to nothing, nothing, but a little bit of nothing, because this is this really great performance by David Duchovny, and he talks about how he was a Jewish woman with a son, and the son. Was the same soul that was eventually his sister Samantha, and his deceased father, who was Scully, is dead. And Melissa was his husband in this life and had been taken. So, okay, so he was the Jewish <laughs> woman. Oh boy. He was the Jewish woman, Samantha his sister was the soul in the body of the Jewish woman's child. And the Jewish woman's dead husband was Scully's soul. And then Melissa. No, I'm still, I've still got this wrong. Holy shit. Scully was his father. Okay. Okay. He was the Jewish woman. Samantha was the Jewish woman's <laughs> daughter. The Jewish woman's father—that was Scully. And then his husband was Melissa, the lady with the multiple personalities. There, I finally got it right.
0: The aristocrats. <laughs> the aristocrats.
1: Um. She had been taken to the... Melissa, the husband in the Jewish life, was taken to a Nazi concentration camp run by a Gestapo officer who was the same soul as the smoking man in this life. Yeah. And so, then he switches to the Civil War life and he's like, oh, I'm in the Civil War. My name is Sullivan Biddle and, and Melissa... Is Sarah Kavanaugh and, and my best friend? My best friend is my sergeant, and my best friend, my sergeant, is Scully. And we're all there and we're all having this big battle, and uh, on and on. And so, Scully, now that she finally has names Sullivan, Biddle, and Sarah Kavanaugh, she goes, she's still trying to disprove all this when she goes to the Hall of Records. Yeah. But when she goes to the Hall of Records, she finds out it was real. She finds Biddle and Kavanaugh, and such great names—Biddle, Biddle—and she gives them to Mulder. And and uh, it was—he was a Confederate soldier. I mean, we're in Tennessee, obviously. He was a Confederate soldier, deep south, Confederate. The South will rise again. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Um, <laughs> And so everybody gets out because
0: they don't find the guns, right? And which, so, they... which is weird, first of all, because he's still talking to Sarah, uh, and like in the interrogation room, mm-hmm. and Kavanaugh walks in, not like a cop to like escort her out or something. Just he, Kavanaugh walks in. is like, "Are you ready to go?" Oh, you mean Ephesian? Ephesian. Like, yeah. That, yeah. Fucking names just like just so weird it's like dude, that's not how this works like someone that is a suspect doesn't walk into an interrogation room <laughs> well and in, in the
1: FBI and, and the ATF they plan to go back even though all these people are, are there again um, to do another search to try and find these guns again but Ephesian he realizes that like we're not going to be able to to survive again like we can't stay in here forever with them outside we don't have enough food or anything like that so he gets the guns out and he gives them to some of the guys and he starts handing out the Kool-Aid. Uh, you know what? I keep everybody gets that wrong. It's not Kool-Aid. I don't want to tarnish the good name of Kool-Aid anymore. It's flavor. <laughs> It's Flavor-Aid. Oh, yeah! The Kool-Aid man <laughs> kicks in my wall and is like, Oh, no! Don't tarnish Kool-Aid! We didn't kill people!
0: As he then strangles you and may force feeds you, like, like, poisoned Kool-Aid. Drink this
1: poison Flavor-Aid, bitch! I mean... <laughs> um... So, yeah, they all, of course... Uh, the, the men with the guns, they open fire on the FBI and everything, and... Everybody starts drinking poison, except for Melissa, who has turned into Sydney at the last moment and Sydney doesn't drink the poison and pretends to be dead. And Mulder uh, throws up his hands and and walks in. and nobody's shooting at him anymore at this point because everybody inside, of course, is dead, men, women, and children. And, but right before Mulder gets all the way in, Ephesian realizes that Melissa is faking dead and uh, forces her, essentially, to drink the poison. Like, holds her mouth open and pours it into her throat. And he drinks it, and Mulder goes in, and everybody's dead, and the whole mission has, has failed. And uh, Mulder caresses Melissa's face and he takes the two pictures and he goes out and stands in the field, which is where we found him at the beginning of the episode. And he gives another little monologue. Yeah.
0: A field where I died. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad episode. It's not, it's just weirdly paced and they throw a lot of information at you Mm-hmm. and it sometimes is kind of muddled um in terms of like giving that information because honestly i couldn't remember half the damn names they were going through
1: right yeah a lot of names
0: yeah. yep yeah um funny story I, funny thing note you should know about me is i used to practice steel pan in a building called the seven stars Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, so you remember you? (laughs) (laughs) My steel, yes, my steel pan. uh, It was all a front.
1: You steel pan magic maker.
0: Yeah. Um. This movie also kind of not the regression, like not the different, like the changing of personalities and regression of of a past life, but a lot of this made me. Think of the Kevin Smith film, Red State. Mm-hmm. Like another yep. compound film. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think overall, it's such an interesting idea because there's it's always been something that's been talked about for years of us as individuals. And if we remember or even are a part of uh, a bigger collective of a past life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I believe that um personally sure but i but man like deja vu hits me a lot and i go a little crazy <laughs> um i like to think of myself that if it was i was a street i uh, was a street walker yeah uh, I like to think that's what it was but overall i like this episode it kind of just is like a mid b range for me yeah, I don't watch this one a
1: ton specifically because of what you talked about. The pacing on this is so weird. And the I I don't find the conclusion particularly satisfying. Yeah. Like it it's a very tragic end and sometimes I don't mind tragic endings in things. Um but I find the ending particularly unsatisfying simply because I, I I don't think I think what it boils down to is I, I it bothers me a lot that Mulder's selfishness in in <laughs> worrying more about the past life stuff cost everyone their lives at the end. Yeah. Um That part bugs me a lot because I I think it is one of the things that is there's too much going on in this episode. You can't have a cult that is about to commit suicide and you're under the ticking clock of we have to find these guns and then have your paranormal part of the story distract from that mission i think it's just a i I think it's a writing failure that the 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 paranormal as it still could have ended in a completely tragic place i think without the paranormal part being so distracting to Mulder that he lost sight of the fact that something terrible was going to happen
0: i feel like this should have been a two-parter like maybe like uh, m- like maybe the whole regret like the whole thing of past lives could have bled mm-hmm. into a second episode yeah of something to really go into yeah I, but it felt like there was just too much happening and not a lot of time
1: yeah i think that's really it like the the ideas are all really solid i just think somewhere in the writing it kind of falls apart And like I said, I think it's not because it's bad. Like I, I don't hate the idea of doing an episode about past lives and stuff. I don't hate the idea of the, the ticking clock to, um, you know, this cult committing suicide. I don't even necessarily, like I said, I don't even really mind the tragic end where Mulder and Scully and the FBI and the ATF ultimately fail in their mission. I think think just the way that this is structured because of Mulder's connection to this woman and it being really hard on him emotionally that he did fail because you needed that at the end to get the emotional part you wanted I th- I think you're right I think a two-parter would have made it feel more earned because by the end of this you realize they're connected one moment and then the next moment she's dead and you're like, yeah. I don't think you get the, and the only reason she's dead is because Mulder got so distracted in the meantime with this. So, but based on the acting and everything, I don't know, like a B minus for me on this one, I think. Yeah. All right i'm really looking forward to the next two however um sweet the next two uh the next one sanguinarium i wouldn't necessarily call an all-timer uh off the top of my head i haven't watched it in a hot minute i've got to revisit it but i do remember it being very good and it's got some gruesomeness to it which is is pretty nice this one is definitely focusing in on the horror of the X Files, but the one after that, the in two episodes from now, the one after that is an absolute all timer, and I'm not going to tell you what that one is titled yet because I I, I don't want to spoil the surprise for anyone listening that is like you listening along uh, for the first time, you know, watching for the first time and might get some ideas about what that episode is like too early. So the next one is saying penises. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, um, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I, I, I might as well tell you. It is called Mulder's Huge Bulge. That's the name of that. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, but no, next next episode is Sanguinarium. And like I said, it is got some gruesome to it. So that's pretty exciting. Sweet. Yeah. Later, everyone. Later. Um...